0: Hello and welcome to the latest Celtic View podcast, I'm Paul Cudahy, editor of the Celtic View and joining me this week to look back on a wonderful Derby win and also look forward to an exciting Europa League campaign is my Celtic View colleague Tony Conley Tony, nice to have you here
1: Great to be here, cheers
0: And once again, now a regular on the Celtic View podcast, Craig Johnson, our head of digital marketing Craig, good to have you back Great to be back but before we start chatting about uh, another demolition derby, let's just cast our minds back to Sunday and that wonderful Olivier Incham goal. Tavernier, two men round him, plays it back to Arfield, Arfield scoops it to the far post. but Baris H will keep that one in play. Still, the Croatian plays it low, and David Briatta scoops that one clear. Ryan Jack challenges with Tom Rogich, and and suddenly Celtic on the attack, and the Australian drives forward, Dejarri in the chase, James Forrest is on the right-hand side, Odds and Edward through the middle, a chance for the Frenchman, plays it to Forrest, Forrest, back again, it's in, Champ! Celtic have scored! Olivier and Champ, it's 1-0 to the champion. Charm has broken the deadlock and Paradise scores wild, 60,000 Celtic fans celebrate, It is no more than Celtic deserve, they have the goal that their dominance deserves, why, a how, quite how? The Rangers have managed to keep it level until now, but Olivier Encham, it was wonderful play, Tom Rogan strode forward, he gave it to Edwards. he played it to Forrest, Forrest had the presence of mind to slot it across, And from eight yards out, Olivier Incham was not going to make a mistake. Brendan Rodgers delighted, he knows his team deserved the win. So Olivier Incham's goal, the difference between the sides, I think it's fair to say that uh, when uh, Celtic scored, I think my commentary could only be heard (laughs) by the dogs in the east (laughs) end of Glasgow. But uh, Craig, uh, uh, the scoreline didn't reflect Celtic's dominance. It was a, a brilliant performance, 12 games now that the manager has gone unbeaten in this fixture, 10 wins and two draws. That, I felt, was as comfortable and as emphatic a performance as we've seen against Rangers.
2: I thought we absolutely batted them. It was 1-0 going on 3-4-0, had it not been for Alan McGregor, had it not been for the crossbar, which I've been outside and it's still shaking from um, James Forrest's strike. um, I think the thing that impressed me most was how we kept going. It was, they had obviously come with a game plan to sit in to relinquish a lot of the pitch to us. Just everything, whether it was um, the tackles that went in, whether it kept on, whether it was the passing that kept on moving, I thought that we um, spread the play a lot better than we have so far this season. I thought we brought um, Forrest and Lustig more into the play than we've done in previous games, and um, that was the main thing for me. Was just the the belief that it kept on coming, it kept on getting closer. Edwards' header, obviously Lustig off the bar, and then um, just in the second half, how Encham really took that midfield by the scruff of the neck as well. And um, it was just a beautiful goal as well to to cap it all off. I mean, I th-
0: Craig touched on it, Tony, there, that I suppose the only thing up for debate after the game was who was Rangers' best player? Was it Alan McGregor or was it the woodwork at Celtic Park? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. Celtic did dominate. There were so many chances. I think we hit the woodwork three, four times. Hit the bar three times and we hit the yeah, post, as, post well. as well. So I mean, I mean that in itself reflects just how dominant we were and well of another goal. But then when you look at the other stats like possession, I think first half possession we had about 75% per of the ball. It was, it it, it was a well deserved win, and you know the, the sort of gulf between the two teams was cleared throughout.
0: And it's interesting because one of the quotes that always keeps coming back to mind for me in the last few weeks it was actually it was Neil Lennon, who said this. Oh, all the things I'm saying now that people, when they read my column in the Celtic View, I'm just repeating what I'm, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm writing. There's nothing new to say. But Neil Lennon was asked a couple of weeks ago, and obviously the the challenges ahead. And he had said, once you get beyond the hype, which has obviously been, been building this season in terms of, of Rangers rebuilding, he said, you have a look at the games and you go, hmm, I'm not so sure. I think that's what we showed on Sunday, that actually... When you get beyond the hype, actually the start to the season that they've had hasn't been that great. Ours hasn't been as bad as people have predicted or said. It's, there's been this build-up of a so-called crisis. I think the players and the manager just wanted to remind everybody who are the champions and who are the best team in Scotland, and we, d- we did that.
2: Yeah I think there's a couple of things there I think the the way that this team always answers questions that every time something's set down to them they always step up with a performance whether it was Pedri last year um, back in October when he came up with a 3-0 victory and just absolutely wiped the floor with Aberdeen um, or whether it was before the 5-0 game here in um I think it was in April last year again questions were being asked the team just steps up and um I think the other side of that, from from the Rangers' aspect, was something that you touched on last week, was their ability to handle the atmosphere. And I just think their midfield froze. If you look at the the main players that they have in the midfield, um, certainly ajaria kind of he looked a little bit lost. The boy um, Kent out on the wing just didn't really get into the game at all. They didn't get their attacking players in there, partially because we dominated in that midfield, but also I think just the atmosphere was superb. Just walk into the game, you could tell everyone was up for it. I think possibly the Sedova game was maybe something that helped build into that. I think the importance of that can't be overlooked. Just the the way the fans got behind the team, the team playing one three nil, kept a clean sheet, and it just kind of built up nicely for for Sunday.
0: Interesting as well, the 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 team that started on Sunday was the same starting eleven that had beaten Rangers five nil back in April. So there was loads of experience there, and I think Tavernier was the only player that was starting for the opposition. So, you know. I think until players play in that fixture, you're never quite sure how they're going to react. I think you're right, mm-hmm. Craig. I think quite a few of them, especially the young guys, I think it was just overwhelmed them. And, you know, our experience showed in the end, Tony.
1: Yeah, it definitely did. You can prepare all you like for the game, but when you when you experience that atmosphere, it definitely does have an effect on players. You've heard it from some of the world's best players that have come and played here. It, is, it really moves you. It does have an effect on players. So... That Celtic team has got lots of experience in this, and they they really thrived on it. And the opposite end of the spectrum, Rangers players, like you say, just Tavernier is the only one that experienced that. So I think the experience shone through as well as the the quality in the game as well.
0: And I suppose in the build-up to the game, we obviously at the end of the transfer window, mm-hmm. um, Moussa left on the last day, went to Lyon. Obviously, Didrik Bayata stayed, and you know it's probably no coincidence that he, since he's come back into the team with three consecutive clean sheets he was absolutely magnificent Sunday the manager while praising him also maybe touched almost a kind of what if 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 he had been available for the other games you can't go back and rewrite history of course but he, he showed
2: I think in Sunday how how good a player he is uh, yeah and the manager's regularly spoken about him being the best centre half we have and he showed that on. he was like a magnet on, on Sunday just everything that came into the box he he powered away I think he has in the past a uh, few games he's played the three games he's come back in he's looked absolutely brilliant and i think that confidence of playing in the world cup of playing in a team that's so successful in the world cup they had a great run playing alongside vincent company i'd imagine he'd, he'd learn a hell of a lot in training so um so yeah he has come along There is tainted with that kind of bitterness that had he played in that in those games what could have been i um, Again, we had enough chances in those games to to um, to get through. I think it's it's something that we probably focus on a little too much. Um, I think there's there was other things in in play as well, and it just wasn't there, they just weren't great performances, which is again strange from this team who usually stand up for these big games.
0: And Tony Musa leaving, the manager I, I I thought you know was absolutely handled it to perfection. Both in the statement that the the comments he made on the Friday night, just explaining the situation but also been magnanimous to, to thank Musa for what he's done the last couple of years and wish him all the best. And then again, after the game on Sunday, he just said he would address the issue. I know you spoke to him for The View for the first and last time and just explained exactly what happened. And, you know, then we we move on because it's always about the players who are here and want to be here.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm glad that it was addressed. I think the manager just wanted to finally put a, a line under it and he was he was talking about what had happened and, and one thing he's always said um, with regards to his players is he'll always be honest with them. He'll always tell them something now rather than six months down the line and it was clear that there weren't any broken promises. So we've heard the other side of the, the story now, because I think Musa was you know taking to social media and saying things, and it just sort of muddied the water. So it's nice to, to have that sort of clarity. Just put it behind us now. He's gone, still to give the, the money for him, and they can just focus on moving forward now after getting three important wins in this week.
0: Now, obviously the celebrations at the end of the game were tremendous. It was a wonderful atmosphere, is there a happier man when Celtic win particularly against Rangers than Kieran Tierney?
2: <laughs> no, apart, apart from me, <laughs> I think yeah. he just looked absolutely delighted, didn't he? But I think the whole team did. It was interesting the the kind of the way the manager took them round the stadium, just a, a show of unity. I think, and it's been a difficult couple of weeks for everyone, and um, I certainly think the the manager kind of managed that situation, similar as he did with the Moussa Dembele thing. I think you talk about. Um, managers who lose the dressing room, he came out of that showing that he absolutely owns this dressing room, and he is the man in charge, and I think that, that came out um, through all the conversations that came across in the interviews after the game.
0: You were obviously down in the tunnel area, Tony, after the game, and you spoke to Olivia and Cham, but also you spoke to Kieran Tierney, and you know how, how <laughs> excited was he, because I'm <laughs> sure he was, to quote uh, James Forrest, absolutely buzzing.
1: Uh, He was, he used that phrase, funnily enough, it seems to be a a favourite word in the the dressing room. Um, It it was, it was really funny, we were standing in the the tunnel waiting to have a word with some of the players and um, then Keenan Tierney came out and he he was just so elated, it was quite funny. It was like a six-year-old at Christmas and having his birthday all just rolled into one, he was was over the moon. I think it took him a, a wee minute to sort of just calm down before he could actually give an interview because uh, you could see it meant a lot to him. That you know the, the players don't they don't really buy into all the the pressure that's heaped on them from the outside. They they work within a high pressure environment every day in training. But I think they were happy to just silence a lot of their the critics, answer a lot of the critics because they've just had um, a lot of questions put towards them in the last couple of weeks and. Those last three performances, particularly the one anyway on on Sunday, it was it just sort of drew a line under it, signalled that they can just move on and, and get on with the season now.
0: Well, obviously it's a podcast, so people won't be able to see how excited Keirin Tierney is, but in this wee clip from your interview that he did down just outside the dressing room, I'm sure people will be able to hear just how excited he was about beating Rangers again. <laughs>
3: Every time you beat them, it just it feels sweet. And today, a lot of off the field stuff was going on in the lead up to this, and I felt we answered a lot of critics today by the performance. And I think it wasn't for the goalkeeper; it could have been a lot more than one. Though, what we've done the last three games is go through and change it. And a lot of talk went off the park but we just stay, we work hard and three clean sheets is, is a great way to end the first part of the season into an international break. I felt we were in control a lot but you're always in danger of, you can be in control a lot of that game but it takes one second to switch and they can score And but I think the second half we even went out from the start of the game we had to put the pressure on and then the, the counter attack was brilliant the willingness for everybody to get there and go up the park was, was phenomenal. A lot of the time when we concede goals Defence gets the blame. Um, in games like that, the defence gets the credit, but in both scenarios, it's the full team. The full team defend. But everybody, Cal McGregor on my side, he was running all day. James on the other side, everybody played a part in the defence today. Mm. Um, and Craigie as well. And it's, it's just probably like a great team performance for everyone.
0: Of course, the week ended with that 1 0 victory over Rangers, but On the Friday we had the the draw for the group stages of the Europa League and Celtic find themselves in Group B alongside FC Salzburg, RB Leipzig and Rosenberg, our old friends. Interestingly, (laughs) I think the first comment that I'd read on social media after the draw was uh, somebody had tweeted and said uh, Celtic fans walked into a bar in Trondheim and the barman said the usual. (laughs) <laughs> but it's uh, f- certainly familiarity we'll talk about them shortly we, we know all about them given the fact we played them in the, the Champions League qualifiers this season but if we start Craig with the top seeds who are FC Salzburg you know, we played them about three or four years ago what can we expect not a, a glamorous name in terms of European
2: football but obviously the fact that they're top seeds shows that they're going to be a tough o- opponent uh, yes, they, um, it may not be the most glamorous name, but it's going to be a hell of a tie. And they, um, they got to the semi-finals last year, and along the way they beat Lazio, they beat Dortmund. So they kinda, they've they got some good pedigree in there. Um, they've, they've strengthened this summer. They brought in Erling Harland, who's Alfie Inge Harland's son. I uh, brought him in from Mould. Um, I don't know if you remember Paul, um, Neil Lennon was speaking quite highly of him after the game um, against Hibbs. Yeah, yeah, Him and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer were saying that he was the main difference between the two. Yeah, he's, just, he's only about 18 or 19, yeah, isn't he? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think he's, like the, he's the biggest Norwegian export since John Carew, um, from who's gone on to Valencia and um, Villa. So there's a lot thought of him, so he'll be a bit of a handful for our defence. But with Dedrick on great form, we should be able to, to handle him.
0: And I suppose, that, I mean, you just said there that, you know, they might not be the most glamorous name, but the fact is they got to the semi-final of this competition, so they know how to get out of the group stages they know how to navigate their way through this t- tournament, so there's lots of experience in that squad
2: yeah they are they're they're very well t- um, versed in the Europa League regularly getting through to the knockout stages so it's going to be it's going to be a tough one i think there's there's always this thing about playing on a on a thursday and a sunday for players they're obviously used to that because they've been doing it for the past few years now i um, it'll be interesting to see how our players react to that i am um, it is Um. it's a major change to their to their routine. Um so it's so yeah, I think it's just it's got all the all the ingredients for a for a really strong tie.
0: And I suppose Tony I I wonder I'm sure they'll have shrugged off the disappointment of their Champions League qualification campaign 'cause they were they were leading in their playoff 2 0 at home to Red Star Belgrade, who then scored two quick goals and went away been through on their way goals So I think there would have been disappointment there that they didn't, you know, similar to ourselves, didn't reach the group stages.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it shows their, their quality to, to have got that far and to, to narrowly go out, and they've responded well to that. I think they're, they're seven games into their season now with six league games and one cup game, and they've won all seven of them as well, so they've got a, a good bit of momentum behind them. As you say, some some strong signings as well, so they'll be they'll be probably the toughest test in the group I imagine when we come up against them
0: what about this thing, when we were watching the, the draw in the office, and one of the guys, when we were looking at the different pots, so one of the guys had said, well, Salzburg and, and Leipzig can't be drawn against each other because they're obviously they're, they're owned by the same people. But obviously that's changed now, they're just sponsored by the same company. But there's a lot of connections there because I think there's about three or four of the players that played against us for Salzburg last time round are now with Leipzig. So it's quite a strange relationship there that, they, you know, They'll obviously be playing against each other but there's there's very, very close connections.
1: Yeah, you see this increasingly in football. I think, you know, Man City are the prominent example with the City Football Group and all these sort of satellite clubs as well. But Red Bulls get just such a, a strong footing in, in sport and the, you know, they seem to be sort of mirroring those sort of moves. It definitely benefits clubs when they're they're part of a, a sort of model and have a huge, huge business behind them like Red Bulls, so um they can draw a lot of strength from that the uf
2: i did a bit of investigation into them because i think last season was the first season that they could have met each other in europe yeah and um they did a bit of investigation as into the the kind of in red bull incorporation and how much influence they've got on each club and then it was deemed that actually they're they're two separate entities so there's there's kind of a link up there but there's no kind of undue influence across the two and then the first season, they almost meet each other in the semi-final Europa League, and then everyone breathes a, high, a sigh of relief <laughs> after Leipzig get get put out. And then suddenly they're in the same group this year.
0: Yeah, no. Obviously, we are the the second seeds in the group. We couldn't have picked a, a, a tougher team for the the third seeds, um, in a team that's you know one of the top sides in the German Bundesliga in Leipzig. So it's a really really tough draw for us. You know, I don't think
2: there was a stronger team in Pot Three. I uh, no, they are they are a very strong team. And um, they've lost a couple of players, they've run lost um Naby Keita to Liverpool and um I can't remember the left back's name, but he's gone to um, Brighton for about ten million. So so they've kinda they've lost a few players. Um interestingly given a goalkeeper to Salzburg which uh, might come back and haunt them. Um they've still got Timo Werner up front. Um, I don't know if you remember him from the World Cup. Yeah. Didn't have a great World Cup but he was great in the Confederations Cup the year before, got the golden boot. I think everyone was surprised he was still there. He was linked to um, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Barcelona over the summer. But he's kept, uh, they managed to keep hold of him. Uh, Interestingly enough, he, speaking about the atmosphere and players kind of shrinking, um, last season he um, went into the game against Besiktas with um, earplugs in because he didn't like the noise. Really? And and then he had to be taken off after about 20 minutes because he just couldn't handle the noise of the crowd and the intimidation and... It was really strange for a player that level to, yeah. to come off, and then the funny thing was that he's obviously and, um, the the Leipzig pl- the Leipzig um, manager was uh, saying how the player was affected by this atmosphere, so then they go into about sixty minutes and then the floodlights fail, so it plunges into darkness and then they've got all these Turks <laughs> shouting at them and creating this amazing atmosphere, so you could imagine Leipzig were a little bit um, upset by all that.
0: And I suppose Tony, so they we're going to play that double header against Leipzig I think we're away first and then home those are crucial games for for Celtic if we can pick something up in the road we're we're always confident that in our home games here we can pick up the points but for us to get through you're maybe looking to certainly take some points over in Norway but maybe try and get something either in Austria or Germany
1: yeah, to to do that would be key to allowing us to get through the group, and I think having them in a, a double header, it's it's good to have them out the way, and then the games towards the end of the group where it really really matters. There's not as much uh, riding on playing against one of the best teams in the in the group, and. Hopefully that noise can play a factor as yeah, well exactly. when we meet them at home <laughs> if the Celtic fans can really raise them. <laughs> if bar we can create
2: can a similar atmosphere to Sunday, then a we real should tactical
1: be. practical yeah. at I
0: mean that's that's got to be one of the strangest thing ever. If you're if you've got to that level of professional football, so you're you're playing in the Bundesliga, you know, the the, the fans are great. So the, the he must be used to certainly a lot of noise at each of the, the, the stadia that he goes to over in Germany. So you th- you think he'd be able to cope with it and I mean I know that it, you know, certain countries and certain supporters are a bit more Partisan mm-hmm. and vocal, yeah. but you, you wouldn't say that you, if you if you could play, you know, in the Alliance Arena against Bayern Munich, surely you could go to and play against Besiktas.
2: Yeah, absolutely, but maybe he's used to the surroundings. I don't know, but it's certainly it's um, certainly something that you've noticed when when players come in. I remember. Um, people speaking about Robin and people like that of how their faces were kind of in awe when they were here and just listening to You'll Never Walk Alone and, and just the cheer when the huddle um goes up and things like that. The substitutes kind of tend to shirk back into their dugout when that happens. Um, So hopefully again that will, like Tony says, will will um, play in our favour a little bit.
0: Yeah, we're playing, as I say, familiar foes in Rosenberg. We played them in the the Champions League qualification campaign last season. We did it again this season. We're going to kick off Group stage campaign and Thursday September the 20th with a home game against them. We know we can beat them, Tony. But um, it, certainly, I think everybody you would like a different team for group, you know for the for the top four side rather than Rosenberg. You're hoping that again we can replicate that 3-1 victory that we had earlier on this season.
1: Yeah, I mean we've we, we've we've overcome them and when we've come up against them in the the last couple of seasons so there's definitely confidence to be drawn from that we know what to expect when coming up against them as well so in a sense it is frustration frustrating to have them in our group but there's there's benefits to that and that we, we know what to expect we can come up against them it's just unfortunate for Celtic fans uh, travelling there, it's one must be one of the most expensive uh, away days you, you could imagine, so they won't be pleased with that.
0: £11.50 a pint, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but when we were there earlier on in the season, Craig, uh, Trondheim's a, a beautiful little town, beautiful little city, It was the weather was lovely, it was you know still summer, it was sunny, we're going to be playing there at the end of November, I'm guessing we're going to have to pack the winter release, I'm not sure if that will have an impact, but it's certainly going to be a different... Sort of climate, different atmosphere, but you're hoping we're in the middle or through our season. That will help us because obviously when we play
2: Rosenberg previously. We're just starting off our campaign. Yeah, I think it'll be a different challenge. I think there is um, a little bit of flatness around about um, drawing Rosenberg again. But I think the way the fixtures have fallen, I think it helps us. I think it's vital that we get off to a big, uh, good start in this group. You've seen the other teams that are in it, the quality that they have, the reputation they have. So by the fact that we know how Rosenberg play, we know kind of that they they play direct up to Bednar. They kind of. Um, they kind of feed off the back of him they've got the left winger that comes in and, and kind of feeds off that side I think the fact that we know how to play them will help and then we'll lead and then hopefully we'll we'll get into a, a good lead in that group um, it will be different going over there and um, yeah I think you'll need to pack your long johns uh, for that trip um, I think it's it's hard to say what benefits on a way supporter will get there other than if they left their mobile charger last time they'll be able to <laughs> pick it up which will be quite handy
0: I mean, the way, Tony, the way the fixtures are fallen, so we start against Rosenberg, then we have an away game against Salzburg, followed by the double header against Leipzig, and then we finish off Rosenberg away, which I think, we, you know, we won there last season, we drew there this season, you'd hope we'd get the three points, and then we finish with a home game against Salzburg, which, again, I think Craig touched on it, if, if we know what we need to do, it's quite good having the last game at home. Mm-hmm. So the fixtures, and then those games in the middle, you're hoping to maybe pick something up from them, particularly at home.
1: Yeah, uh, I think if you had to arrange the fixtures yourself, you probably would want to, to do that. Starting off against Rosenberg... I'd have just
0: made us at home every game if I could <laughs> arrange the fixtures. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: that first game, as you say, against Rosenberg, um, you've got odds on Eduard and Olivia and Cham, who I think both scored in the, yes. the home game. Yeah. So, I mean, they can they can take confidence uh, in that as well. It's good to, to start off with that. Uh, Odds on will probably be back to full fitness by then. You know he was was playing at the weekend, and um, Olivier and Chams really on form. So hopefully those two can be can be key players again, and to get a good result there to to start things off would be would be huge and really get the momentum going in the competition.
0: This week's Celtic View, uh, when we're looking at the Europa League, uh, we spoke to Craig Gordon. Who, of course, played uh, the last time we played against Salzburg. We're just going to hear a wee clip from him. He was talking to Mark Henderson and he is talking about a save he made over in Austria, which he still thinks is up there in, uh, amongst his top five saves of his Celtic career.
4: If I remember correctly, you've probably me some great saves over there. I think one of your best other saves I've seen you at Celtic anyway. It was like a header, I think. Yeah. You, do you want to tell us talk, tell Yeah, us well they that? played a, a, a deep free kick yeah, around the back. Um, and I think the, the guy coming in was trying to head it across goal uh-huh. uh, to the to the other two that were running in. Uh, and and he, he heard that it was, it was going in to, in the far post and managed to make a, a good dive and save high yeah. to, to my right with the, the faintest of touches on it, which which took it past the post but also past the... The the other uh, Salzburg player that was was diving in at the back post trying to get the, the finishing touch. So yeah, just enough to get past the post and not enough to present it to a striker. It was um, yeah it was was a memorable one. One that I uh, yeah you're probably right. Probably is still one of the the best saves I've made at the club. I was wondering where, where does it rank in your f- um, Definitely, I'd, I'd say it's probably in the top five. Yeah. Um, there's been a, a few good ones and important ones that have ended up getting points or, or in cup competitions and, and those are the ones that you tend to, to remember more rather than rather than that one but certainly as a, as I say it was a, it was a good one, one I'm proud of. Yeah. <laughs> Craig Gordon
0: obviously remembers his save in Austria. Interestingly, Salzburg, when they came here, they won 3-1. We managed to get the 2-0 draw over in Austria. Scott Brown scored a, a rare goal for <laughs> him these days, but Craig Gordon was vital that night in Austria in getting a point. He will be vital, I think, particularly for the away games, because you'd expect when, when we go to Austria and we go to Germany that we might have to, you know, be on the back foot and that's when you're looking for your goalkeeper to, to produce the saves we mm-hmm. know he yeah. can and we know that he does.
2: Yeah, you need in, in these big arenas you, you need your keeper to play well. And um, he's got that reputation, he's got that confidence from the b- that he gives the back four. Um that he is that he is there, he always always there to, he's always standing up to be um to be into the to be making the saves to to be helping out his teammates. He's um He's certainly been on form this season. And um I think just, just keep going with that form. And Tony obviously he's one of the several Celtic
0: players who's away on international duty. Um there's about six players I think away with Scotland. There's a friendly game and then there's the first of these new fangled I can't even remember what the competition they just make up new ones <laughs> all the time for. Uh, I think Scotland are playing Albania next yes. week. It's interesting it's now a competition, I think, for the, the number one spot between the, the Celtic goalkeeper and the Rangers goalkeeper. And, and you know how much it means for Craig to, to play for his country as well as for his club.
1: Yeah, he's got so, so much experience and fighting for the, the number one jersey isn't something that's alien to him. He, he's done that throughout his career and he, he's come out on top. So I think also, yeah, to have that, that little bit of competition as well would be, be good for him because even though we do have other great goalkeepers at Celtic, he, he is quite comfortably the, the the number one. He's always the, the first choice there if he's, he's fit. So that'll be a little bit different for him coming into the national setup, but I think it will be good for him as well at this point of the season, you know, early in the season, to, to have that competition and really try and raise his game.
0: And before we go, just uh, a quick look, obviously, the Celtic view. You spoke to Lillian, Cham, Kieran Tierney, Craig Gordon. We look at Lee Griffiths scoring 100 goals. We also have an interview, our interviews with our two new signings that we made uh, last week, uh, Yusuf Malumbu mm-hmm. and also uh, Philip Benkovic, both of whom, Benkovic was on, on the bench for Sunday, yeah. which was a great experience for him mm-hmm. just to soak in that atmosphere. Uh, it would have been a
2: baptism, a fire in a derby game. He could be trusted to just to go on there and play. He obviously trusts him, obviously likes what he's seen in training so far. He's um, a player that uh, I know the management team have, Know well, they've um, scouted well. I think the he should settle in well with um, z- with Yozo, um, being his fellow countryman. Have played there together with Zagreb. Um, so he's he's had some he's had some um, appearances this season for Leicester, just some fleeting substitute appearances in the cup and things like that. So I think he is game ready. Um, I think he'll be a vital addition uh, to our centre halves. Um, so yeah, I think a, a very promising signing. And of course, uh, Yusuf Malumba has joined us as well.
0: He's got a bit of experience of playing here, Tony, albeit against Celtic. And unfortunately, we do remember that his intervention down at Rugby Park. (laughs) It it was a rare defeat for his last season when he scored the goal. So he certainly, he's a a player with a lot of experience. And he's, you know, I think he's quite amazed that we've come in and surprised. But I think you just get that sense that he's just, it's this opportunity which he says, this is why you play football, to play for a club like Celtic. And he's going to grab that with both hands or both feet.
1: Yeah, I think it's the, the kind of move he was really dreaming of. Um, he, he did impress last season, and against us, he showed his qualities. He, he reads the game well, he's strong, he's a good passer of the ball. and He's 31, so as he said himself, he's still got plenty there in, in his legs. He comes with a lot of experience, having played at West Brom and in, in Norwich, so he's got that uh, drawn and he, he had a, a few options but when he said when he got the call about Celtic there was no hesitation that's exactly where he wanted to be and he's played the Celtic part before he's come up against Celtic and it was quite interesting he said he realises that whenever an opposition team comes up against Celtic they, they play out their skin they really raise their game and play it as if it's a cup final and he's well aware that he's now going to have to experience that from the other side and he knows you'll need to every opponent that he plays now you'll need to play with the, the same sort of intense motivation that, that teams have when they come up against Celtic
0: Well, We wish both of them the best of luck in the future Celtic careers Gentlemen, thanks as always for joining us in the Celtic View podcast. Thank you. Before we go, just to remind you, of course, that Celtic, there will be a game here at Celtic Park this Saturday, September 8th. It's a two o'clock kickoff. It was, of course, the match for cancer, the charity game, Stillian Petrov select versus a James Milner select, Celtic managed by Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool managed by Jürgen Klopp. And if you haven't seen Jürgen's uh, video <laughs> encouraging people <laughs> to to go along, uh, go onto the Celtic Twitter feed and have a look because it is very, very entertaining um, and certainly we're looking forward to welcoming him to Paradise. There's ticket's still available, so either at the ticket office or via the Celtic website, www.celticfc.net and hopefully we'll see you there On Saturday, we started the podcast by looking back at Olivia Incham's goal against Rangers. What better way to finish the podcast by listening to the commentary once again. Hail, hail. Tavernier. Two men round him, plays it back to Arfield. Arfield scoops it to the far. Pause, but Barisic will keep that one in play. Still, the creation plays it low, and David Marotta skips that one clear. Ryan Jack challenges with Tom and Roberts makes clear. And suddenly Celtic on the attack, and the Australian drives forward, Ajari Jarry, and the chase. James Forrest is on the right-hand side. Oats and Edward through the middle. A chance for the Frenchman. Plays it to Forrest. Forrest back again. It's him. Champ. Celtic have scored. Olivier. It's champ. It's one 0 to the champion.